Today's episode is called Life After Loss, featuring guest Yuri Williams. All hope was stripped from Yuri Williams when he lost his mother to cancer in 2009. After a five-year battle with depression, he came up with an idea to harness that pain. Uniquely equipped to help the undeserved, Williams launched the non-profit A Future Superhero and Friends. Take us back to 2009. How did that year change you? Man, that was probably uh, that was probably the worst year of my life, man. You know, I lost my mom to an eight-year battle of cancer. During that five years after, it was just crazy, man, because I'm not going to lie to you, I thought I was invincible. Just like superheroes, you think you're invincible. And I never thought I would die, man, until I saw my mom died, and I, I died with her on that day. But, you know, I had to regain my inner strength and all the stuff that she taught me during that five-year process of uh, that five-year depression period. And, you know, I created this nonprofit where I've been able to help thousands and thousands of people in her name, you know, and it's just a good feeling. So you mentioned that your mom was battling cancer back in 2009. Prior to that, what was the fondest memory that you had of her? Oh, man, it's crazy. Probably her yelling at me or just messing around or something, you know, just hearing her voice and. Her food was the best, man. Like nobody could talk my mom's food. I'm I'm sorry, but my mom had the best cook and everybody would tell you that too to this day and people still ask for her. Is there a particular meal that you liked that that she cooked? Oh yeah, uh her enchiladas. Uh it's funny. I took some to work one day and my coworkers had it and uh they're like, Sure your mom is a Mexican man? Because this this tastes like some Mexican enchiladas. I like, hey, she could cook everything. This is the food. Oh man. Mom's food. Yeah, it was the best. It was the best. And resonated with your, your colleagues too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they loved it, man. Everybody loved my mom's cooking, man. All my friends. What did your mom teach you about, say, good values, and how did that affect you in starting your charity? Every day she would get on me and say something. You know, you would think it's negative, but it's it's something positive, and it's, she's just yelling at you and throwing it down your throat, and you don't realize it until you become older, you know, and these kids nowadays, I call it 80s love. We need to bring that 80s love back where we're on these kids and, you know, they're so into social media and all this other stuff that they don't take time to talk to the person that's right next door or right next to them. They're using this phone and their head is down all day long and you're missing out on memories by just holding that phone in your hand and not communicating with people that are might be a houseless individual on the street, you just walk by him and don't even speak to him. But that person is somebody. People need to realize that. And that's why I started this organization, is to try to inspire people to just not ignore the houseless community, the seniors, these veterans, these ill children, because they go unnoticed and it's not right. Your superhero trait is kindness. And I've seen yeah. these videos, it's just you in your superhero costume, putting smiles on, on kids' faces in, in hospital and putting smiles on people in the street. It's incredible. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Like, I got five more years till I can retire from work. If, if something happens drastic where I can retire before then, I'll wear a costume every day from nine to five just to make people smile because uh, the energy that you give off to people can brighten their day even if they're having a bad day. It's rare that you'll see a superhero walking down the street. So when they see it, 
the first thing you do is smile and laugh or something. And then now I got that distraction and now I'm able to attack you and do what I need to do to make you happy. So like when kids see you dressed as Deadpool or as Spider-Man, what do they think? What's their reaction? They're just excited because like I say, you you get to see them on TV, but you don't get to see them in person. And when you see them in person, these kids just light up and it, the, they're lighting up with that mask on. You can't see it, but I am smiling underneath there, sometimes crying too. Was there a particular experience that really stands out during your time running a future superhero and friends? You know, it's two separate occasions where I had a chance to meet children before they passed away. Uh, both have had a form of uh, cancer, DIPG, which your life expectancy rate is not, I believe it's not past 13. It's a 3% chance of, of you going past that age or whatever. But those two individuals really touched me because I had a chance to uh, meet them with two different costumes and just send them home on a happy note. The first family that I met, you know, I still communicate with them to this day. Well, both of the families, you know, I still communicate with them to this day. And that's what it's about, is about showing kindness, but at the same time being there for these people that are battling death in the family. Just like when I lost my mom, somebody was there for me. Yeah. I, I could imagine how difficult that must be. It's like you're working with now. these kids and then one day they're gone. Right, right. But I mean, we'll, we'll see them again. And then at the same time, you have to continue doing what you do and honor them by continued on with the mission what keeps you going despite seeing kids say who are suffering with the cancer or people that are homeless who are suffering what keeps you going what keeps me going is knowing that i've been through that depression period or been through a struggle and seeing like a houseless individual out there that was once somebody and doing something productive just to get caught in that moment because I almost lost myself. I'm not gonna lie to you, during that five year period, I almost lost myself and I could have been out there too. But at the same time, you have to be able to be strong and all the stuff that my mom installed in me, I'm able to use that in order to build these relationships with these individuals I don't know. And we communicate with each other and build that relationship and possibly help them through their situation as well. Yeah. I remember watching a news broadcast video of, of you I believe you were telling the, the news presenter that when homeless people see you with the without the the costume they say well, where's the costume yeah. we like you better with the costume right right the first time that I went to Skid Row that's the uh, homeless capital of the world I believe I've been off 50 states and I can't say LA is the worst and uh, the first time I went out there they loved it I didn't know how they were going to view it and check it out and see it, but they, they loved it. And I just continued going out there. And, you know, one day I said, you know what, it's too hot to wear this suit. So I went out there without it. And they're like, ah, oh, get out of here. Go home. Go home. But, you know, in a funny way, laughing. And we and we still laugh about that to this day. That's incredible. That's incredible. Like similar would say, kids, was there a, an experience with, with a homeless person that, that really, really touched you? I call him Uncle Felix. Uh, he lives out in Skid Row area. His brother was out there homeless with him as well, and he passed away before Thanksgiving. Before I met him, you know, we took a picture together. Me, I think his brother took a picture of me and Felix, and I had that picture of his brother. So when I first started doing this, I would take a picture 
in my Spider-Man costume and bring it back to them the next week so they can see themselves because they don't, a lot of these individuals don't see themselves in the mirror. So I was able to give him a picture of his brother and I have that video somewhere and he just broke down in tears and he was thankful for that because he didn't have a picture of his brother. Broke down in tears. It was that yeah. powerful. Oh yeah, it was, and I was crying underneath that suit and I had to go to, the funny thing is I, I went, this was on Thanksgiving and I went down there before I went to work and I'm just bawling in tears that day after I gave him that uh, portrait of his brother, you know, because I know how what a, a picture means to some people, you know. Was it a photo or was it, was it drawn? Oh, no, it was an actual uh, photo of his brother in, in, his, uh, in his wheelchair, so physically he could see him and all that stuff, so it just brought tears to his eyes and that video is a real powerful video. Oh. I'm going to send it to you. Yes, yes, please do send it. That must have been very touching. What does living healthier today mean to you? I've always been an uh, athletic uh, since I was a kid. I played t-ball all the way from baseball to uh, soccer, everything except football. And I changed my eating habits. I've been vegan for almost going on six, seven years now. And I've just got to the point where I've become older and, you know, I noticed that I can't eat all of that stuff that I used to eat because it clogs up my intestines and all that stuff. But at the same time, since I've been vegan, I've noticed that I've gained more energy. I'm able to work more. I'm able to, to do more. And I've meditated and I've just changed my whole complete lifestyle to trying to be right. That's really improved my health and, and helped me continue uh, my mission every day. When you're taking care of yourself, you're able to show up better for, for the people that you're serving. Right. During this pandemic, I just pray that I, I didn't come across COVID or I, I don't come across it right now. You know, I'm continuing my mission and just trying to stay healthy. So I keep my immune system built up for it to fight that battle if it ever decides to come my way. So 2020 was when the peak of COVID really hit. What impact did it have on you and those that you serve? You know, I was still out there put my life on the line during that year. You know, a lot of people said I shouldn't be doing that and this and that, but I mean, I can't turn my back on people that I built a relationship with knowing that they need food and clothing and hygiene and different stuff to continue living day to day. And a lot of these people, uh, nonprofits, were not out there helping them like they, they should have been, but I, I'm not faulting them or getting mad at them about it. So, you know, I stepped up to the plate and just continued doing what I did and that's to serve and uplift the community. Did you have to change how you interacted with the kids? Did you have to do more yeah, FaceTime? And, uh, it was weird. First I was doing uh, FaceTime calls. Easter I still dropped off baskets but you know you had to do the six feet distance. I leave the basket away from a distance or whatever and this one kid I'll never forget just ran up to me and I kind of went like this to him and I'm like I can't deny somebody a hug. During this COVID, and then I just grabbed him and, and hugged him. I know, I, you know, people can get mad at me about it, but he needed that hug, and I gave it to him. I just couldn't deny that hug that day, man. It, it, that was a rough year, 2020, of not being able to have human contact with people. Like, you usually do hug people, high-five, and fist pump, and all that stuff. But it seems like it's making its way back, and I hope, uh, you know, that continues. Yeah, hugs are something that a lot of people have been saying that they've been missing. Yes, they need it. They need it. They need it. Here in Australia, we're still in lockdown. Really? 
Oh. Melbourne, Australia is one of the most locked down cities in the world. Wow. That's sad, man. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least they're trying to stop it. You know, that's the proper way of doing it. That's what should have been done, in my opinion, from the get-go. And it probably wouldn't have gotten as bad, but I'm nobody to be president or lead the way. So, sorry. <laughs> that's it. I want to take us back to 2009. And so the years after that, what was happening to your mental health? It was tearing me up. But at the same time, I have this mentality of a Kobe mentality that you can't stop me from getting to where I want to get. Even though I was going through that, I was still doing what I needed to do. Still feeding the homeless. If I saw somebody out there, if somebody needed something, I'll help them school supplies. If they need to help with their uh, rent or whatever, I'll still help them. You know, I can't stop and deny. It, there's always going to be a problem that comes along your way. And you can't you have to handle, be able to handle that problem and, and handle that other problem at the same time. Just finish this one and then get back to the original mission because if you lose focus of what you're trying to build, then you're going to fall in the back. And I'm trying to get in the front. So, And I've been staying in the front. I've been denied so many grants and stuff. And I look at it and I just smile because why get mad about a denial when I know something better is coming? And I'm just waiting for that, that moment to look back and say, well, you had a chance to put me on your team and you didn't. So be it. And I'm happy to be where I'm, where I'm at. I don't know where there is, like I always say, but I'm going to get there. That's, that's my goal is to get there. I don't know where there is, but I'm getting there. You're getting there. Like you've already got a lot of exposure through the media. You're hugely successful and, in that regard. Yeah. You know, and the thing about that too, I don't, I'm not a real media type fan that like needs all the publicity I, that's cool i know i needed to promote the, the business and all that stuff but i'd rather just do the work i'm not one of these people that comes out once a year i'm out there almost every day i just want people to see that and inspire somebody else that's down to get out and do something like i'm doing you know if you can't get out there then just support send a donation send something from the wish list just do something to help the mission continue and by you just sitting behind that computer, getting something from the wish list, you've done something. People don't see that, but you've done something. Even though you're not out there physically, you've done something to help somebody. And that's what's needed to keep the missions going everywhere. How did you support this charity when you were first starting it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, bro, that's out of my own pocket. And to this day, it's still out of my own pocket. When I finish writing this book, I'm not going to tell you how much money, uh, what I did with this this big, large amount of money, but it's, it's, it's crazy. When my book comes out, I'm going to tell you, but during this time, I've been using my own funds majority of the time. You know, I have people sending donations here and there, but people don't understand running a small nonprofit, you're not going to get these big grants like these other corporations get. Like I keep saying, one day I'm going to get there where someone's going to, one of these celebrities or somebody say, oh, here's a check for 100000 I want you to do this. That's no problem. Uh, it's going to come one day, and, and we're going to look back at this, Jared, and we're going to laugh and say, this day is the day. Look, I've been seeing a lot in, in the news, the U.S. news, about wealthy individuals giving anonymous donations. For example, there was a $25 million anonymous donation to the L.A. Children's Hospital. Wow. And no one knew who that was. Wow, that's crazy, man. I don't I don't even know what I would... <laughs> you know how many people I could help with $25 million? <laughs> Well, what would you do with $25 million? 
and I would uh, get a financial advisor first and then sit down and try to come up with my own way of battling this uh, houseless situation. I would also help these, these schools, these children that need laptops and stuff in order to succeed to continue their education, sporting activities, like it's just so many ideas that I had running in my head, but everything comes down to money. I don't have enough funds to do all of the programs that I love to do and want to do, but I'm going to get there. What are some of the things that you would love to do, but you're limited by finances and money? To have my own office building where we can have after school programs and have my buddy Juan run our art program daily and teach these kids how to, to become graphic artists and other professions, you know, how to use a computer, how to fill out job applications. I'm savvy and, and I know how to do some of that stuff and I want to have my own building where I can just have everyone can come. This will be the hub. If you're houseless, you can come get your food and if you need to use a computer, you need a mailbox, you can use my place. Like, I just want to be that hub to help as many people as I can and, and I feel if I had an office building with the storage and all that stuff, I would be able to, to do all of that. I'm amazed by your level of gratitude and, and generosity to people, despite even just like supporting yourself. And you even mentioned that like when you were first starting out the, the charity that you were on very close to, to being homeless too. Yeah, yeah. People don't know that and I don't really tell people about that. But, you know, I was sitting here at home just in the bed sleeping all the time, man. And, you know, I, like I said, I could talk to you normal, but I was killing myself inside, man. And you can kill yourself. Depression can kill you uh, mentally and physically. People don't know that, but... The stuff that I was feeling, like I was having like out-of-body experiences, just weird stuff, man. And I had to get that under control to to keep living. I'm not going to even lie to you, you know, it was thoughts of suicide and other stuff. And went past that and I've been through it and I'm not looking back and I haven't looked back. What helped you get on to the other side of that depression? You know, just thinking to myself, what? I have a daughter. That's my number one thing. And the way my mom took care of me all the time and looked after me, that's the same thing I have feeling towards my daughter. That's the first person that I want to take care of all the time. If I'm not here or able to help her, then, you know, I know her mother will, but she still, she needs me. So I need to get myself healthy and be in my right state of mind in order to communicate and do things with her. Yeah. Like coming back to that idea of taking care of ourselves so that we can show up for others. Right. You have to. You have to, man. You, I mean, it's, you only die once, so you need to take care of yourself now. What is the legacy that you want to leave on this world in your lifetime? That uh, no matter who you are, what race you are, what gender, just be kind to people and, and love everyone and treat everybody with respect and give the respect that you want to the, the people that are in front of you. If somebody's acting crazy towards you, don't give them the reaction that they want. They might be going through something someday. People don't think about this. You know, you're driving on the freeway, somebody driving erratic. That person might have somebody in the car that's having a heart attack or something. You never know what's going on with somebody. So sometimes you just have to fall back and just let people be. And don't let that ruin your day. Don't let that ruin your day. And just like not judging people by, by their actions. Right. It took me, you know what, Jared, it took me a long time as a kid to not judge people. As you become older, you realize you shouldn't be judging people or making assumptions. And ever since when I became a teenager, I never looked down on people. 
or never made assumptions towards people because of nine times out of 10, you could be wrong. Definitely. Just like that scenario of a person driving erratically on the, on the freeway, they could just be really just having a medical emergency and need, need to go to, to emergency. Right. You never know, man. You never know. And just let, just let them go. You're going to get that building that you're trying to get to is going to be there. So don't try to kill yourself to get there. You might not make it to the day, but if you don't make it that day, that building is still going to be there. So take your time, man. Take your time. You mentioned before that you have a daughter. What are some of the things that, that you're teaching her about that life? I'm seeing another video today that just came out that I took her with me to a clinic where the children are, um, let's say a rehabilitation clinic with children with disabilities and special needs. And I took her with me to um, just teach her how to give back to the community where we were giving back backpacks, you know, and she been watching me over the years and she's starting to understand this is what life is about is like giving and some of the things that I've seen her do and her mom tell me that she does, you know, that I'm just so proud of because I know she's watching me. There were certain times when she was a kid, I don't pressure her to get out here and help. She would sit in the car sometimes while I'm out there helping people and she might be videotaping or just looking. But now that she become older and she's doing it, I know she was watching me this whole time. I don't push her to do anything that she doesn't want to do. So now that I, she's become older, she's starting to help out. Right. How does she find the experience of, of helping out? Oh, she loves it. She loves it. But sometimes she's asking me, uh, when can we go back? And, you know, this was fun. And that's when you know you, you're raising the right, you know, raising your child right, you know, when she's giving you positive feedback. And sometimes she's telling me, did you look out? Did you go give him his stuff that he asked for? And, and it just made me feel good knowing that she's looking out for them as well. So your mom instilled really good values in you and now you're passing that on to your daughter. Right. It's a must. That's where this new generation is lost because a lot of these kids are not, their parents are not installing these little, small little values that need to be passed on to these kids nowadays because, like I keep saying, this phone is in their hand 24-7 and not, they're not getting out there helping or doing anything that's beneficial to someone else and it, it's beneficial to you as well. Like, social media, it's really changed people's lives and the way that we perceive what real happiness is like you see mm -hmm. someone that that's become a millionaire from from social media and you see them with like a fancy car and, and a fancy house for you what brings you genuine happiness you know jared i'm I've had uh, the house, I had the car, I had the expensive watches, clothes and all that stuff. And you get, as you become older, you realize like you can wear the same t-shirt and the same jeans and the same shoes <laughs> every day. You know, why do I gotta keep buying this to keep up with the competition? What brings me joy is waking up and thinking of stuff to do to help people. How can I do this? To, how can I help this? How can I help that? That just, finding this, my purpose in life has just brought me so much joy because I was looking for my purpose all my life. You know, I wanted to be a remember coming out of school. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That didn't happen. You know, basketball player. That didn't happen. I want to be a mortician. That didn't happen. You know, I ended up doing the same job as my mom, which I love doing. I love kids. I love working in uh, the probation department and, and helping these kids try not to reoffend and come back and stay on these kids every day. That's how she was on me, and that's how I'm gonna be for the rest of my life is to try to stop these youth from. Uh, doing this foolishness and getting incarcerated, you know, that's not the place to be.
Is there anything that you've learned from being a youth probation officer and you've applied it to your charity? Not really. I think I'll use the charity and I've applied that to the probation because, uh, you know, these kids, they don't get the love at home because you have a lot of this new generation. The grandparents are raising these kids because the parents can't control these kids. They're running over the grandparents. So, you know, there's a sim- one situation where there's a kid now that's there. He's changed his life and he wants to do better. And for him to come to me and say that and he's he's actually proving himself and, and doing that. I'm very proud of the job that I'm doing because that means I'm doing something. If somebody just comes out of the blue nowhere and says, hey, you know, Williams, thank you for staying on me all this time. And, I've, uh, you know, I'm going to do better, you know, that, and that, that makes me proud. It makes me continue to do what I'm doing right now. Definitely. I'm curious to know, do you have any mentors that in your life that have helped you get to where you are? Aside from your mother, was there anyone yeah, else yeah. that helped you get to where you are? Yeah, my mom is Yoda. There's uh, actually Rodney Smith Jr. and uh, Tommy Norman um, and a Hip Hop Trooper, those three gentlemen, always be in debt with them because... Uh, they helped me find my purpose, you know, through social media. I found these three gentlemen and Rodney Smith Jr. has motivated me every day to continue doing good. He does good every day and we bounce ideas off each other. We talk to each other probably every other day and we just continue bouncing these good ideas off each other to continue to try to save humanity. People like him and me and Officer Norman and other people around this world that are trying to make a difference and people just need to take notice and keep spreading the mission. Spreading that mission. And and sharing baby Yoda with people too. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That baby Yoda, man. Uh, That 2020 Christmas, you know, I went to Costco and I bought a hundred baby Yodas. I know kids were in the house during that time and I had to do something to uplift them. So I went to these children that have special needs or disability or battling illnesses up and down the California coast. And I gave these kids uh, baby Yodas and the look on their face when they got it, like a lot of these kids were just excited. And I knew, you know, I brought some kind of joy for the holidays because it, it, Christmas wasn't the same last year because of COVID. And some parents may have not been in a position to be able to afford presents. Right. Yeah. The rough year, man. Rough year. And that's so good that, that you were able to come in you're able to give presents and really put a smile on, the, on these kids' faces. Man, I mean, like I said, if I could if I could do this every day and during the holidays get more funding to drive around and just uplift kids, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. I, I don't need to get paid for it. The payment is just seeing the kids smile. That's that's enough for me. I'll dress up in this, in this suit, Mandalorian or whatever, and deliver these toys. It comes down to funding, you know. It was a point when I first started I drained, almost drained my bank account because of the excitement that I was getting from helping people. You know, then I had to look at my bank account and like, oh, wait a minute, man, I don't, I'm going to be the homeless guy asking for something if I keep doing this, you know? So I had to stop myself and create this nonprofit. Even though I'm still not getting what I think I should be getting the help, I'm going to still keep going. It's going to come. Like I said, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. You're going to get there. I'm going to get there. So we're almost towards the end of okay. our podcast I want to ask you've come a long way from the persons you were 
18 to the person you are now, what would you tell your 18 year old self? To actually, I listened to my mom, but I didn't. I still touched the water and ran with the homies and did stupid stuff at times. But there's a lot of mistakes that I made. I would tell myself to listen to other people and really take their advice seriously because you only, like I keep saying, you only die once. And a lot of the stuff that my mom said is installed in me, but it took a long time past uh, 18 for me to understand what she was trying to tell me. I mean, you know, that's, she was giving me the answers to the tests way in advance and I was still failing until I realized that these are the correct answers that she was giving me. So how come I didn't listen back then or whatever, but the time has passed and, you know, I can't look back, but my job is to help those kids that are going through similar situations that I did and not listen and try to encourage them to listen and understand. She's raised a very good gentleman. Thank you. Thank you, man. I always try to make her smile. I know she's looking down on me and I just try to do the best that I can at what I have. From visiting cancer-stricken children to clothing the homeless, Yuri's sole focus seems to be on helping those in pain, regardless of where that pain comes from. In a world becoming increasingly more isolated, Yuri is intent on carving genuine human relationships by utilizing the love and compassion his mother once taught him. Share this podcast with one person who you think would benefit from it. Leave a rating and review of the Healthy Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. Our team includes assistants Tania and Akia Sadia, scriptwriter Brian Ariotto, and voiceover Yanni Harris. This episode was produced by Resonate Recordings. In tomorrow's episode, you will hear from author April Davila on her career move from marine ecology to becoming a mindfulness writer.